back at it again with another episode of the Courting the Field podcast. We got a good one for you guys, man. Got a, a mid-major star who's making a jump to the Power 5 level. But first, let me introduce my co-host and my road dog, Sean Flannery. What's good, Sean? What's up, CJ? How's everything going up in uh, New York? It's all good. It's all good. Things have quieted down a little bit since last time I talked to you, especially with March Madness dying down. And um, ain't really much besides class and the NBA at this point because I ain't really watching lacrosse. No offense to y'all. <laughs> I don't think many people are. At least I... I don't know. All right. Well, I think we're going to talk about some transfer, some college basketball stuff, um, specifically transfer portal maybe um, to begin. But I kind of brought this to CJ's attention, not necessarily brought it to CJ's attention, but kind of said maybe let's talk about some transfer portal stuff. You know, it goes along with um, our guest today, Marion Jackson, who we'll, we'll get to shortly. But as everyone knows, the transfer portal within college basketball right now is pretty crazy. Um, I, I believe there's over 1,300 players, student athletes in the transfer portal or put their name in the transfer portal at some point. Um, yeah, and I think it's just kind of a crazy aspect right now that a lot of people really don't know how to handle, um, especially within college basketball. You, know, you hear a lot of different voices and sayings and people with their own ideas of what should be happening, but there really hasn't been any statements from the NCAA of what's going to happen moving forward after this blanket waiver type thing. Um, so, I mean, I guess that's basically it. Everyone gets a free year of eligibility after this COVID season, a blanket year to redshirt or not to redshirt to transfer, go up, go down, whatever it may be um, and play the play right away. So I just want to hear your, your thoughts right away. Um, so yeah, go ahead you go first. Uh, I'll, I'll, like, I'll start off by saying this. I think every individual player has their own story and as to why they're doing what they're doing. But I do think there's generalizations that can apply to a lot of situations. I'm not going to say all, obviously, because once again, I don't know these kids' situations. But a lot of these situations could be bad fit, you know, just could be in a, in a program that's just not best suited for you. You thought it was coming into the school and it would just be best for both parties that you guys, that you guys separate, divorce, right? You've, you've heard those classic cases. You've heard cases where you, you're a competitor. You're trying to get some time on the floor and you just want to play ball. Um, that, those are a lot of cases. I mean, in this, especially in this year where you get that blanket year to go play right away. I think you're, that's a lot, probably most of these cases, if we're going to be real, a lot of these kids just want to play right away. Um, our, next, our guest that we're going to have on next, you got the guys going from the mid major to the power five level. Those are a lot of cases as well. And I have, I, honestly, I see no issue with that one. Um, I think though, and it's a lot of backlash between the, it's the vitriol is kind of between the younger generation and the older generation. I'm sure as you see with like a lot of these guys from the previous generations, coaches, um, analysts, college basketball, like staunch guys. And maybe because I'm not like a, a college guy at heart when it comes to like college support, the system, all that, I don't feel the same type of way. But for a lot of these cases, I do feel as if I'm with the players where it's just like, I see these coaches up and leave. And I see these coaches um, make decisions best for their families and best for their futures. I don't see why a player in a lot of these situations can't do the same for himself. But I'm not going to sit up here on this like moral high horse and not think that there aren't players and people out there who make this decision for moral and selfish reasons and reasons that never work out and reasons that don't make sense in the first place. And I think if people would stop talking absolutes and realize that this 
transfer portal idea, this whole idea of this transfer frenzy thing right now is not black and white, all right? It's more in the middle than what you would like to believe. We shouldn't have an open season where you can go where the hell you feel like it, like it's some damn NBA shit where you ain't got a contract. You just poop, poop, whatnot. But it also shouldn't be you can't transfer until your fourth year. Like, I don't agree with that either. And you got to sit out, you, you dictate where I can and can't go. I don't agree with that either. I think it's more of a gray area where we need to meet in the middle on this thing. And I think there's a lot a lot to it than just, you know, I'm going to transfer, I'm going to go to the school. Um, and I think you talk about a good point, which is coaches just up and leaving, you know, where they recruit kids for two, three years, maybe more, um, you know, promise them I'll be here for four years. And then, you know, a guy like Chris Beard, like, how can you blame him, I guess, but he goes from Texas Tech. So a school that is power five and then he moves up to Texas, which is a higher job, a better job for him. Um, but at the same time, you know, he's leaving behind an entire team, a recruiting class coming in, recruiting class after that possibly coming in. So it's kind of like you just kind of leave him high and dry. So there's that aspect of it too. But I also think, you know, it also just comes down to one of the bigger issues within college basketball right now is just that amateurism. The difference between amateurism and professionalism is, you know, that guy's the NBA, they're doing this to get paid, they're making money. And they, yeah, they have to say to make their contracts to go wherever they want, for sure. You know, they're professionals. You know, you're in college, unfortunately, you are owned by the NCAA. And, you know, people don't say it like that, but that's the, just the fact. Like, they, they own you, unfortunately, and that's just the way it is. Until they decide to, to change, it's not going to. Um, and I think, like, what did people really expect, you know, a couple months ago when they decided this was going to happen? Like, people are going to take advantage of this situation. This has never happened before in, in college sports. So, you know, people are all are going crazy about it. And like you said, like there's got to be a middle ground to find. Um, but why, I mean, how can you blame 1300 kids trying to move up or trying to better their brand, better their name for themselves, for their future when, you know, the NCAA is holding onto their feet, trying to drag them down, you know, on the other side because they can't make any money. So, you know, I, I, you can't really blame the athletes in this perspective, in this sense, because, you know, they're, they're given the opportunity to do it. So why not? And I think, you know, moving forward, there's obviously going to be, you know, different rules going on next year. And I, we're interested to see what happens there, but what do you, what do you, what do you have? What's your, like, you have a, an idea of what you would like to see somewhere in the middle, you know, if you had to choose, if you're the commissioner right now, they said, Hey, you got to choose today. What are you doing? So I think the one rule that I think needs to apply everywhere, which I, I agree with wholeheartedly, I don't know when they changed it. I love the grad transfer rule. If I pay my dues, I don't want to say dues, like I'm time <laughs> in the pen or something like that. But like if I pay my respects to a school for X amount of years and I get my degree, I should be free to go wherever the hell I like with no penalty. So I agree with that rule. I think that needs to be here to stay. I'm 99% sure that I believe at some point throughout your four years, you should be able to get a one, a one-time pass, free like a one-time pass. I think I like to say, just for the simple fact that I know how the recruiting game can be at times, and how you have to. I mean, it's the it's the it's a game, and it's a business. And I'm not mad at the coaches whatsoever. They gotta put food on the table just like anybody else. But it's a damn business, and you gotta sometimes mislead and be deceitful to get these kids on your damn college campus. It is what it is, and you get these kids who are 16, 17, 18 years old, and then they finally get on these campuses, and they don't realize. It's not the environment that they thought it would be. Who am I to tell you that you should be miserable for four years just because of some archaic rule made in the 70s? Like, 
I don't agree with that. So I think that's the the probably those are the, the other rules already in place. And I think that's something that I think the NCAA is trying to implement. Although based off this year, I doubt they'll probably bring this bitch back. But you have an idea that I thought about. I mean, that I hadn't thought about that. Um, it's interesting to me as well. Yeah. And no, I agree with you with the grad transfer stuff. Just first off is once you do your four years or whatever, and you have one year of eligibility, you should be able to do what you'd like, you know? Um, but yeah, I think my idea, I saw it on Twitter. I can't, I can't remember. I tried looking up who tweeted it and where the idea stemmed from, but I don't know if I'm fully behind it, but the idea was that you get your freshman and sophomore year, you are, you complete those two years, you're allowed to transfer up until then. But once your junior year hits, you enter your August of your junior year, September, your junior year, you're not allowed to transfer after that. And I, you, I thought it was interesting because it's something different and it gives you that, you know, you get 50% at a school and it's not, it's two years instead of four. Um, you can make your decision the first day you, you get there or the whatever, the last day on in your sophomore year. And, you know, you have the time, you kind of understand what's going on. And that's the reason I like that is you're familiar with the situation, but I think you've got to go beyond that as to, you know, okay, so my junior year, my coach leaves or, you know, a grad transfer comes in and takes my spot, you know, selfishly, I'm going to be like, well, what the hell? Like, let me get out of here. Let me go somewhere else. And I think that is where like the issue comes in. And I, I would, I would like to see if they went in that direction to, to the two year thing, you know, being able to pull your name and transfer whenever, but get a one, like you said before, like a one-time transfer rule. And I, I'd be behind just a one-time transfer rule rule um, and no two year uh, you know, deadline. Um, but, you know, from a coaching perspective, I still think I'm more sided with the players because, you know, I've been a, a player and I've seen the division two aspect of, you know, I just wasn't happy there and I left and I was happy somewhere else. And I think that's at the end of the day, this whole era, the whole society is moving towards a, you know, mental health, you know, your happiness type thing. And I think, you know, people need to adjust, people need to, you know, acclimate, get acclimated with the environment around them. And the only way by doing that is adjusting. And I think that's, you know, kind of what the NCAA has to do here, or they're just going to lose, instead of losing money entirely, they're going to, you know, lose their entire, instead of losing players, I should say, they're going to lose money. And, you know, at some point they need to realize they need to adjust and make changes. And I'm, I'm sick and tired of this. I'm sure you've heard it 10,000 times where, oh, back in my day generation, you know, we stuck things out. We were, you know, we were tough and we, we, we roughed things out. No, y'all was idiots. Like y'all just <laughs> stayed there and just like, I'm sorry. Like if I'm not comfortable and I'm not happy in a situation that doesn't make me tough for staying. That doesn't make me stronger. No, like if anything, adapting and moving on to all these different circumstances and situation, that's tough in its own right. Like our guest that we're going to have on next, Bro ain't lived out, out of Ohio his entire life. He's going to have an up and move to a different time zone on the other side of the country, all by himself. No fa family can't drive to your games no more. You all by yourself. You're a big boy now. You all by yourself. That's not difficult. So, like, I, I don't really want to hear that. Oh, you know, back in my day when the coach left and whole new coaching staff came in and I wasn't getting playing time, I toughed it out. And by my senior year, I was a six man. Like, no, I ain't trying to hear that. Anymore. I'm not like, I'm not like good for you for making that work out. But, bro, you should have upped and, and became happier somewhere else. And instead of doing this, get off my lawn story, like back in my day, I walked up the damn uh, 
hill backwards <laughs> with uh 20 pounds of weights around my damn ankles. Like I'm tired of that. I'm like back in my I'm I'm tired of it. I'm really <laughs> and and uh one of those and shout out to Dickie V. He's a Hall of Fame guy. He's a GOAT legend. He'll go down in the history books as one of the best ever to do what he does. But he had a tweet that irked the living hell out of me. And it is and it is surrounded by this topic talking about some what a sick, sick message we are sending to young people. Just quit and run when things get tough. He says, what about the coaches getting to develop players? Mint majors will suffer big time as soon as a player becomes a big time star. And in the back of my head, I'm thinking, hold on. Chris Beard, like Sean alluded to earlier, the Texas Tech coach who upgraded to Texas, you know, everyone wants to, you know, reach the pinnacle of their damn career. Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to go to the top of the line, right? Chris Beard also started as a mint major, if I'm not mistaken. Let me read off a couple of these schools that Chris Beer coached at. He was at McMurray State back in 2013. I don't know about y'all. I don't know what or who a McMurray is. <laughs> he then went to Angelo State the next year. I don't know where or what an Angelo State is either. He then the next year went to Little Rock. Little Rock actually made an NCAA tournament run that year. But once again, a mid-major. After his one-year stunt at Little Rock, you know where he went? He went to Tech, where he made a brand and became a household name, and now he's at Texas. What about those kids? They didn't get to develop under the superstar Chris Beard guy, right? Loyola's coach just left, if I'm not mistaken. He's a, a mid-major guy. And all those kids who were getting developed under the great tutelage of, uh, I forget it. I don't want to misspeak and say his name wrong, but under that Loyola coach. What about those kids? So it's just like, bro, you 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 killing me with this whole mint mate. No, no, it's always been a business. Just for the first time in a long and ever, the players are understanding their worth and understand that they can also treat it like a business, just like the establishments and the coaching staffs do themselves. Absolutely. I think that's a great, a great way to put it. And I think kind of stemming off that a little bit is, you know, like you said, players are taking advantage of these situations, but they're also realizing that. You can make a brand, you can make a na- like money off your name, you could do a lot of stuff for yourself within college sports because I think you said it in, in the podcast or with Marianne coming up here shortly is that everybody watches March Madness. When people sit down and take time out of their day, you know, you said your grandma, I believe, made a, made a bracket. You know, everybody you know makes a bracket, whether it's for fun or for being serious. And then people watch the games and, you know, who doesn't want to be playing in that tournament? You know, if you're one of the 64 teams to make it in and you are a dude that just goes off for 40 points one night and your team wins, people are going to notice that. People are going to see that. And that wouldn't happen at a, you know, if you stayed at Little Rock for your fourth year instead of going to Arizona State like like Marion's doing. And, and I think it just goes to show that, that the players are starting to realize their worth, what they can do. And, you know, the generations before us, they didn't have this, you know, platform that we do now um, with all social media and TV and, and whatever. But, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, the times have changed and people need to realize that, that what's best for these kids might not be what's best for, you know, the coaches or the NCAA itself. You know, if you really are about the kids, then you actually need to show it. And right now it really hasn't been seen. I think you just hit it right on the nail right there. All this transfer movement and you, you as a coach, I'm sure you see it firsthand. It's 100% not good for like the quality of the game and and product and blah, blah, blah. Bro, I don't think no one's going to make that debate. I get that, especially continuity, all that good type of stuff. You definitely want a team together jail for multiple years on end. I get that wholeheartedly. You won't hear that debate out of me how, because once again, you I already think the product is some bullshit. So like, it's definitely not going to get no better with all this. <laughs> but 
if I already think the product's some bullshit, at least, you know, a lot of players don't make fun of them. So it's like, <laughs> I, you hit it on the head right there. I mean. But you also could think about it too, like this is, what if we got to see, you know, Steve Nash, Dame Lillard, Steph Curry, um, you know, Clay Thompson, all these mid-major dudes transfer to Duke, Kentucky, Kansas. What if you got to see that? You wouldn't, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't really know. Maybe their careers would have turned out different. Maybe you would have thought of them differently, but I would have wanted to see Steph Curry play for Duke on ESPN twice a week instead of, you know, for two games in March, come March. And, you know, unfortunately for some of these dudes, guys like Marion, they didn't make the tournament and you don't get to see them. And it just, it's, it's an unfortunate situation. And, you know, I like, I just kind of brings me back to, I wish I could have seen Steph, some of these other low to mid-major guys play in, you know, high major power five conferences. It, it, yeah. A hundred percent because obviously we know Marion can go because we grew up with him. Toledo's right down the road. You coached against him this past year. So, like, obviously, but I mean, if you're not either a fanatic of the Mac or don't know him personally, you ain't got no idea who he is. I don't know how good he is. So, who am I to tell him, you know what, take ownership? And since they won't go look at you, go good in their damn face so they have no choice but to look at you. So, absolutely. And it's funny because, like, it's kind of a whole nother topic here, too. But, you know, organizations like Overtime and even the NBA starting their like G League Unite Ignite team or whatever, you know, they're starting to do it a little bit quieter. Like they're, they're doing it to make money. They're doing it to get people away from the NCAA. They're doing it to get people away from high school, from AAU, but they're trying to get the bigger names so, so they can, you know, benefit, so they can prosper. And they're starting to figure out, oh, the athletes want to make money too. So I'm going to pay them, you know, 8% of what I really should be. And it, you start to lose your brand, excuse me, you lose your branding a little bit um, and your name, your notoriety and everything that, as compared to what you would have done if you were on a Duke, Kentucky or playing in college basketball in March. And so it's just weird to see these organizations, these, these businesses kind of just run athletes and, and college sports like a business and not really, you know, put the, put the athlete, put the player, the student for, uh, first and foremost. Just because we did it 60 years ago, don't mean that we got to continue that bullshit today. <laughs> but you got anything else? No, that's that's our rant for the day. Yeah, sorry We're... I had to hear that. I didn't help that in. <laughs> I didn't see enough tweets and enough blase. I'm, but I, if, I got more. I got more in the tank. But trust, yeah, we I, we all do. We could go on and on for this. But if I don't think we've said anything like this before, but if you guys listening have anything you guys want us to talk about or even discuss, or just you know, we don't really. We don't really differ on opinion that much, but, you know, even argue a few, a few times or whatever. If you guys have things you want us to talk about, feel free to let us know because I know we talk a lot, about, a lot of basketball and football here, but whatever it is, just let us know. 100%, yeah. We just, like I said, we did this podcast because we always wanted to do one, but what is good is it if no one's listening to it? So, you feel me? Absolutely. So... We'll be joined here shortly with our guest, which episode I love. It was one of my favorite ones that we've recorded thus far. You'll hear from us shortly after this commercial break. Welcome back to the show. We're joined with a special guest, a childhood friend of all of ours. Uh, he's from the city of Cleveland. Played uh, his undergrad years at Toledo, and now he's grad transferring to Arizona State to the West Coast. Marion Action Jackson. What's good, boss? How you doing? What's going on, man? Hey, man, I'm glad to have you on, man. I mean, it's, 
it's funny how life go, you know, we didn't know each other for at least 10, 12 years. Now we go way mm. back, way back. And it's funny, our, our story even go back and then include Flan a little bit. That's how far it go back. So yeah, facts. <laughs> just happy to back chop it up and uh, and uh, have you on, man. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, so just kind of hop right and do it. Uh, so you played the past four years at Toledo. Um, we actually, at Xavier, played you this year. Unfortunately for you, we, we end up winning, but, you know, I think you end up putting like 19 or 20 up on us. And, you know, that was kind of what you did all season in the past four years, honestly. But, you know, just kind of take us through how you guys did this year, you know, your game this past season and whatnot. Um, yeah, as a team, you know, coming in, losing some big key players, you know, from the previous season, we were picked, I think, set, we were picked to finish seventh in the league. <clears throat> and then first, I think second game, Second game of the season, our big man tore his MCL. It's not we, you know, we don't have no bid. We playing small ball. Everybody comments out once again. You know, we just had to re-identify ourselves. You know, everybody just had to step their game up just a little bit more in whatever area is needed. And you know, we jailed as a team and we, you know, took over. We run, we won the Mac, did what we had to do. Fortunately, came up, you know, short in the tournament. But no, it was a great, it was a historical season. It, it was fun to watch you uh, play over the past four years at Toledo. It was just seeing you grow, whatever. And obviously, we homies, and then seeing you, you know, since the, I don't want to say the cradle, but damn near that. And I think the one thing that I noticed from your freshman year at Toledo to uh, to your, la your last year here is how much bigger you didn't got, bro. Like, I see they got you listed at 200. I doubt that. But what was you coming in <laughs> as a freshman? Like, is that something that you tried to focus on, just, like, getting stronger and being able to handle just the rigors of playing point guard in college basketball? Oh, yeah, for sure. But I didn't know I was going – I came in – don't quote me, but it was either it, it was either at this or lower than this. But I came in 160. Yeah, and I knew, you know, me – I think I came in, I was like 5'11". I'm 6'1". I was like 5'11". And giving me the starting point guard going against 22, 23-year-old seniors. And, you know, I knew I had to change my body, and it didn't happen until – junior year going into senior my senior year that summer you know during that whole COVID during that you know I yeah, had got a meal plan did a workout plan and game and I, I am 200 though <laughs> yeah I am 200 but yeah I knew that was a key thing for me especially me being my goal is to play in the NBA at 6-1 I got to be strong so yeah that's I mean it's easier said than done because I mean a lot of people say like I'm just going to put on 15-20 pounds but like I mean, athletes especially know this, that it's just not hard or it's not easy to put on, you know, good weight. I mean, you could put on 15 pounds by doing nothing. But going back to that point, like what's been the hardest adjustment for you going from, you know, high school playing at a high level to being in the MAC playing Division One high level basketball? What is, you know, the toughest or the biggest transition you had to make for your game? Um, I would say patience and reads. Patience is just, you know, you cannot have one speed. You can't have one speed in college. You can't. You ain't going to, you know, it's, it's people that really, they whole identity is defense, you know, so they're going to know how to guard you. It's a scout book where, you know, your go-to moves, what foot you like shooting off of, and then that's when the reads come in, you know. Um, Trayshawn Fletch, my freshman year, you know, I really, he took me under his wing and I really paid attention and studied how he, how, you know, how he read the defense, the assignments and everything. He it was great at it, you know, and I just piggybacked off of that. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty interesting because, 
I feel like in high school and even at lower level colleges, you could kind of just play, you could go out there, play, make a few plays mm-hmm. and you could, you know, kind of stand out. But, you know, the higher up you get, you got to actually have that mental and be aware of what's going on on the floor. And especially being a point guard, you know, being thrown into a, like a big role, uh, you know, your freshman, sophomore year and everything. Um, what do you think, you know, moving up now, going higher, higher level, going to Arizona State, what is that next step for you? What's what's on like on your agenda right now? Or what have the coaches at Arizona State been telling you? Um, I think the big, they, didn't have, they haven't told me they want me. They uh, feel like my game is going to translate to the next level the same. I, be, I think the biggest thing to me that's going to be to me going up in, you know, <clears throat> higher conference would be um, really, you know, just the, the speed. Uh, you know, they're going to be longer, taller, stronger. Uh, yeah, I really just think it's the, you know, the speed and strength of the, of the players. You know, there's going to be probably every team we're going to play against is going to have probably a seven-footer down there. So, you know, yeah, it's going to take me probably – I get myself – I get myself my first game. I, I get myself two games for me to really, you know, settle in and get comfortable. Because it's not like I'm a freshman coming into a Brent like college right. basketball. You know, I know, I know what's about to be happening. Yeah, I, and obviously there's a bunch of examples for you to choose from, but I think the one that just popped into my head right now because we played against him when we was kids. I'm sure you heard about him, Carly Jones, uh, where he transferred from Louisville. Yeah, he had Louisville now, but he came from a mid-major. Radford, I think. Radford, exactly. yeah, Radford, yeah. And he made the transition. I don't know about the beginning of the year, but he's in the ACC, so I got to watch him a little bit because of Q's and all that. And he made the transition smooth as well. So I feel as if, why not? And I think that's the one thing that I think is different between football and basketball. Football, like the level of competition is like a huge, just because it's people are big. The size actually matters out there, but yeah. basketball is such a skilled sport. That like if you can hoop, you can hoop. Like regardless if it was in the MAC, ACC, Big Twelve, obviously night in and night out, you're gonna see more consistency of like with the hoopers. But like, bro, I didn't see you play against Michigan. I didn't see you play against Xavier and, and other Power Five schools. If you can hoop, it don't matter who was the game. Yeah, facts. Mm-hmm. So that's how I feel about that. I think the thing with your game too is like, you know, you can shoot the ball. So I mean, you kind of have that already. And what what does everybody want nowadays? A shooter. So. I think being a playmaking guard that can shoot the ball, I mean, you're just going to fit in you know, perfect with them. So I'm going to talk about Arizona State now. Uh, we're moving on there next year. So what are you looking forward to about going there? I know it's all out west and everything, and I got some good-looking women. But, you know, what do, what do you got on your mind going out there? Um, my main thing going out here, I'm already going back to college regardless, you know, wherever I would have ended up was to, you know, just to get that exposure, you know, that's so NBA, the NBA, they, like they have no choice but to look at me. Like I did what I did at Toledo, which is like what I did at Toledo, I, I'm in history books, you know, and they can overlook that because it's mid-major, you know, oh, they were going against Western Michigans and, you know, stuff like that. But at the next level at, you know, Pac-12, and if I, if I do what I, you know, did at Toledo or greater, they don't have no choice but to look at me, you know? Absolutely. No, and I just, I mean, for people listening, like you, like you said, you you weren't just like a player at the mid-major level. Like you were the, I think you were the MAC Player of the Year this past year, right? Yeah. So you're the MAC Player of the Year this past year. You averaged almost 20 points a game the last couple of seasons. So like, you know what it takes to be, you know, at the high level. And I think you're gonna fit in just well. Um, but you know, kind of stepping off that, like, you're a six foot one guard. Uh, you had to transition a little bit, change your body up a little bit. Who do you like emulate your game after? I know, I think. You know, thinking back on me playing maybe like a Steve Nash or even 
somewhat Chris Paul for me, just kind of being, for sure. <laughs> being a smaller guard. But uh, like, who do you th- like? Do you have a guy that you kind of emulate after or go after? Uh, Chris Paul and Kemba Walker. I like it. I like it. I like, I like it. it. Even though Kemba's kind of falling off right now, though. That's a bucket. That's a bucket. We got to get his knees right, dog. We got to get my dog's knees right. No, but talking about that, the toughest matchups and stuff like that, who was your toughest matchup that you've had so far in college? Mm. Recently, the past years, it would be Lauren Christian Jackson from uh, Akron. He's small, but like I'd be telling people when they be watching our game, and if they ask me about about him, I'll be like, I look at him because they make a joke. Like he's five seven. I, I look, I'll be like, he got go. No, he got go. <laughs> he got go for sure. You know, we paid our mutual respects after the season, and you know, we had deemed each other. You know, uh, congratulated each other. But no, him, um, Eugene German. Yeah, him and Eugene German were probably the two toughest matchups I've had since I've been in college. And Eugene German is from in uh, Northern Illinois. Hey, real quick, too, because I went to your game when you played, uh, you came to the Dome. Was that your freshman or sophomore year? Freshman. How was it playing in, a, like, playing there, like, with, like, the sight lines all messed up? Because you were a shooter, so I know that had to be annoying as hell. Ain't nothing behind the rim, like, big-ass Dome. Like, how was that? Well, I can't even speak on the Syracuse game because I didn't really play that much. Yeah, My coach, didn't put, he didn't put me in that much that game. I was pretty mad about that, but. First walking in, you know, I always I knew it was called the dome, but I never knew that the basketball court was inside of the football stadium. So I walked in, I'm like, I'm like, these seats about to be full. They like, yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah, that's Syracuse. That that that's crazy. It was crazy. And then, you know, McCarmelo, a legend, you know, walk playing on the same floor he played on. It's just, it was just surreal. What's the what's the best place you played at, you know, your four years at Toledo? Kansas. Kansas. My freshman year, that Kansas, Kansas was crazy. There's a uh, Azabuke, Legero Vic, Diamante, uh, what's his name? Devontae Graham. Graham, yeah. Yeah, that game. Yeah. Ooh, that had to be lit. That had to be lit. <laughs> yeah, that game. I wish I could play him again when I was better, but it is what it is. Dang, okay, okay. <clears throat> now, we, we all got pride, but I think it's – what was your – Yo, welcome to college basketball moment where it was like, oh, hell. Like, all right, this is the next. This ain't high school no more. I got to, like, put my big boy pants on. That my, he he got me that time. Like, what was it? Was it freshman year? Was it in camp before you even got to the season? You feel me? Like, someone put you on your ass one time or you couldn't stop somebody one time? Like, pick your pockets. Like, what was that moment where you was like, damn, all right, hold up. Let me tighten up. It was his freshman year. They had his uh, preseason, you know, workouts, conditioning, all that. And – it's called, we got this thing called Navy SEALs. It's three, it's two weeks, no, it's three weeks. And it's real Navy SEAL training. And like, they was gag, they was hyping it up and telling me about it. But I'm like, man, I'm about to, you feel me? Like once I get into it, I'm about to get this done. But no, I think, I think the second, I think the first, second day, one of them, I had to stop. I had, like, I had, I couldn't go no more for the rest of that day. We had them workouts, but the workouts is like, they is serious. The workouts is serious in college. And I'm, I'm just imagining what's going to be like at the, that next level. But, I mean, I'm ready for it now. But freshman year coming in, yeah, it was crazy. The work, the workouts was – because these is people like – these is grown men. These is their careers. This is, you know, they ain't, they not about to let no freshmen mess up their season to where – so, yeah. That's crazy. What, what was – uh what were those, like, workouts like? What you guys had – what they have you doing? 
um, one of the workouts we had the the sled, the little, you know, the, you push the sled. Mm-hmm. I forget how much weight was on it. I can't remember. I think it was. I, I can't remember. It was a lot of weight though. But we had to do suicides on the ter- on the practice field. We had to do suicides pushing that with that weight on. They go, you go forty back, thirty back, twenty back, ten back. But it was a, it's a relay race. Like the Navy SEALs is a relay race each each day. It's a relay race for the teams, and my legs they gave they they just gave I couldn't do it they gave out yeah they gave out and then we had to run around campus it was a scavenger hunt for four four people to a team and you got a weight vest and a forty five pound weight you got to hold the entire time while you run it this the whole campus though so you're running around the whole campus finding all this stuff and I'm just like oh yeah this ain't I ain't signed up for this I love how they try to make it kind of like a game too like oh we're gonna do a relay race and a scavenger hunt but like. Little do you know, you're going to have weights attached to your body and you're going to be running. <laughs> it's no joke. College is no joke, as we all know now. <laughs> yeah. hell, dog. Hey, but look, I can't have somebody from Garfield on and not talk about you-know-who, my guy, Sonny, man. Hmm. Shout out to Sonny, man. Good dude. What was it like playing under him, man? Because, you know, for the listeners at home, they see Sonny, you know, like the, the funny dude on, on Twitter, you know, always making the videos and stuff like that, sending everyone to, you know, whether it's Ohio State or Bumfuck, whatever. You feel me? He, he look out and he a funny dude. But you grew up in you grew up in that environment with Sonny. You know the ins and outs. What is it like? For, what was it like uh, being under him? Um, transferring to Garfield was the best decision that I ever did because, for one, it made me take basketball that much more serious because I had you know I started I got an offer you know my first offer my scholarship and I'm like oh I can really do this now but he prepared me for college you know his if anybody know him or you know been in the program the workouts and the practices are literally like college we run way more but the practices how he go about the practice you know his his mentality towards you know basketball you know yelling uh, you know dogging people out all that is is it's literally college he's getting you ready for what what it's going to be like and then at the end of the day it's family you know it's all love me and him talk to this day he just I think he just called me probably two days ago we were just on the phone for probably like 30 minutes you know it's family it's all love absolutely and I think like CJ said you see him on Twitter making funny videos and everything but when it comes Mm -hmm. to basketball I mean it's intense he's intense he's serious and I think that's you know why he's such a good coach as he gets dudes to the next level and, you know, it's, he's proven that and he continues to do so. But you, I think, would you make two final fours in high school? Yeah. Yeah. Two final, final fours. fours. So how was that? I mean, you guys had some great teams at Garfield in the history, even before you were there, but you were on some good teams as well. And I know we always hate, I hated playing against you guys because you guys are <laughs> always tough, but you know, how was that, you know, taking a, you know, a couple teams deep in the playoff run? Uh, it was big. It was big because, well, I wouldn't say I did it, but, like, just to go back-to-back Final Fours. This is the moment. Yeah, from a, we are a public a public school at that, you know, and to get – you, you got to see the community, the way they stand behind. When you make it, you make it to their, you know, the school, the teachers, everybody, you know, it's just so much love. And I would – I definitely regret not winning one for him, not even for myself, for him. But, you know, hopefully he gets one in the upcoming years. I think, I think what you said about, like, the community and just, like, everyone involved with Garfield, I think that's one of the things that I, I realized at a young age because, you know, like, 
shit, probably from sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I was always up at that high school or whatever, because because of you and uh and the AU team and the AU circuit and whatnot. And you get to see like everyone like rallied around like Garfield and a hoop team, man. Whether it was the fans, the police officers, the people in the community, like it was really like bigger than ball. It was really like a familiar effort every single time they stepped out there on the floor. So I can't imagine what it was like playing like that and knowing that it was real genuine love every single time you stepped mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. I think that's like one of the things, you know, going to a private high school that like CJ and I did that kind of missed out on is, you know, that community aspect of it. You know, you got the whole city basically behind you. And I think we kind of saw it with like Lorraine too, even towards the end Lorraine, of the yeah. years. Like the, it, was, it was a similar aspect though. Like you got a whole city dudes you grew up with everyone knows everybody and it's you know it's just pretty cool to see from an outside perspective and like CJ said I don't even know how it would be to you know be the starting point guard on, on a couple of those teams but we got to talk about some some OBC days here some back <laughs> in some AAU OBC days <laughs> I was just gonna say I think the first the introduction I had to you and it was really from your from CJ from I think Tom Shack maybe but uh it was like you and your dad was in a, uh, I think like a church gymnasium or something like that. I had no idea what I was doing, but um, that's kind of where I met you, where I met your father. And I think your dad, as everyone knows in the basketball aspect in, in Ohio and Cleveland is, is like a, a well-known dude and does a lot, a lot for the community. But, you know, I think the OBC days were awesome. I know CJ and I had a great time, but, you know, talk about that a little bit, I guess. <laughs> um OBC AAU in general but OBC that was like I don't know it was just different because everybody on you know usually AAU teams they get people from you know everywhere really to come play for them but it was literally just the people like around like the city who wouldn't have you know all these high majors and college I don't think any of us had any scholarships like any colleges looking at us and you know just just see us come together as a team as a you know we were really just brothers and everybody got these. I remember it was nationals, and we was going against this Puerto Rican team, I think. And they had it like it was like it was intense. Like the they crowd was yelling something, and it was just our mom and dads just yelling back. It, that game, that OBC was man. I'm gonna remember that team forever. I hey, remember that OBC team forever. Hey, for the listeners at home, that story Marion told. I, I I love that one to this day. But basically, we playing in the quarterfinals of this big nationals tournament down there in Boo, Virginia. I think it was like sixth grade and playing against the Puerto Rican team. And when I tell y'all, I don't know how much of Puerto Rico came and supported this AAU team, but it damn near <laughs> felt like the whole country. And all yeah. we had was our 10 parents in there screaming, going against their chants. And, uh, what was our chant that we had that famous R&B song? Not, this is how we do it. That was that was going mm -hmm. on in the crowd. <laughs> and y'all, and, and basically at that time, at that age, it was really just Marion and Keith with like Mike Ryan, like doing the work or whatever. You know me, I'm just running corner to corner trying to play some defense. <laughs> if you let me get the ball, I ain't gonna dribble it because fuck, I'm, I'm I ain't gonna do much with it. But I'll play some defense <laughs> and I stand in that damn corner. And it was it was just a hell of an experience and stuff like that where you just can't you can't replicate nothing like that. It was real genuine. At all. That's where that I think the community aspect comes in right there is like. You know, you started in like fifth, sixth grade in the AAU circuit and stuff like that. And you kind of get to seventh, eighth grade. You kind of figure out who's like real, who's playing still. And, you know, that's what I'm appreciative of right now is just kind of the connections I made with you guys back then. But, but you know, it was just a pretty cool experience because I'm a dude I'm from the West Side that played the same kids like every year. And I finally played like real AAU basketball. And 
I was not good enough to be on the court for most of those games. <laughs> it's funny how Marion and Keith really like them dudes. I mean, obviously we had other dudes on the team that was like that. You know, over the years we picked up other dudes. Uh, Jaden down there in Lima. Yeah, Tom Shack, obviously Mike Ryan. We had <laughs> we had guys, obviously David Wright. Shout out to him. But like them two dudes, it was our backcourt that really like. Marion was a grade younger than everyone, too. Right, that's the messed up part. Like, hold up, everybody. Let's, let's run it back a little bit. Yeah, I know Marion said he was 160 coming into college, but I promise y'all, even when he was younger, he was even smaller, and he wasn't tall. Marion didn't get tall till like, junior year. I don't know what the hell happened. Yeah. I came yeah. back to school one time, and, bro, I came back from college, and bro was my height. I'm like, oh, hell, what the hell going on? Just imagine bro little as hell, and then Keith was, you know, Keith was old as hell, but we'll get on that another day. So we got these this this polar like this contrast and backcourt really running the state like we was really top two and three every year outside of them probably them Cincinnati teams. After that game, I think we made it to 16th in the country. If, I, if I'm not, I think we did. And then who we lose? We lose to Elite Cavaliers. No, that wasn't. Yeah, we lost to like yeah we lost to some party with some they had some name and some clout to their name. Yeah, you, you, shit. I was just happy to be out there at that point. Oof. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, th- I thought the best part was the jerseys and the breakaway pants. I thought I was like the real deal. <laughs> I was out here in layup lines, like breaking away my pants. <laughs> we was really cold. Though. We was, like from fifth through eighth grade, like we really had the city on lock, and it's hilarious. Yeah, we did. Other, other teams tried. TNBA tried. Millennium Fire tried. Mm, DB Hoops. DB Hoops. What else? A couple smack teams. Mm-hmm. Shit. Colt, nah, I ain't on. But, you can't uh, <laughs> no, Coastal was out there though, but I'm, it's, it's crazy. I, a lot of teams tried, but nobody could replicate. And then high school came around, and my skill really ain't translate to the high school. You're a football player. That's what I was it really is. a football player. Right. Don't okay. get in my way. I can't change direction though. You want me ask me to cross? <laughs> hey, CJ, CJ says he's a shooter now, so he's telling me to try to talk to some of the Xavier coaches down here and get him a couple more years left or something like that because he can shoot. <laughs> Hey, I promise y'all, like, it's the flip. Like, now I really can't dribble. I mean, I couldn't ever really dribble, but I promise you, I'm really like Clay Thompson for real. I'll stand in that damn corner and I clip that shit, and then I'll go lock up your best player. I'll be annoying as shit. I, I promise you, I'm moving up these goddamn. You're watching, too, you're watching too much of the Warriors at this point, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tweaked out. I'm tweaked out. I'm tweaked out. Yeah, how, uh, how Marquise doing? What, so, Mar, uh, Marion, older brother Marquise, another influencing factor in all this, just genuine good dude. Went to Garfield um, uh, about four years ahead of ahead of me, I think. Mm-hmm. Four years, yeah. Yeah. So, how's he doing? And because I seen he just posted a highlight over there, killing shit over there in what country he in? He in Switzerland. He doing good. He was in uh, Sweden the year before that. Now he in Switzerland. He doing good. Yeah. Hopefully, he keep moving up leagues. Type shit. I Hopefully you can come stateside soon. Yeah. You got you got win the finals this year, the NBA finals. To be honest, I ain't been keeping track, but I still got my money on LeBron and AD. I just don't see nobody stopping, especially when LeBron got pieces. I don't think nobody can beat him at seven. Lakers just blew out the 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 Nets the other night without them. Yeah, saw that. Before we get to the rapid fire questions at the end, did you uh? Were you able to watch any of the March Madness at all? Yeah, yeah, I caught a couple of games. What was your thoughts on that, and like, what games did you catch? Um, really, I said that we should have been in it, yeah. but you know, that just just March Madness. You know, like UCLA was like the Cinderella story of you know the tournament, but it's just it just shows that 
is any basketball is anybody like any any day given upset whatever any day given you can be beat that's why i be telling like i used to preach you know to the guys coming in <clears throat> you know, i'm like you can't like i know it's cliche and stuff but you literally cannot take no plays off like every play literally counts because you think about like when we lost i had a conversation with one of my you know teammates um and he was like yeah i missed it was i forget what happened but it was like i think we lost by three or two in one of the games we had lost and he had went back and I'm like, I'm like, remember this play right here? Like, and he like, yeah, that's the two points. And I'm like, like every play counts. Like literally you cannot take a playoff, especially, you know, at that, if you want to, if you in that NCAA March Madness tournament, I know every play, every play, you got to go hard. Is that like, is that like a motivational factor for you guys? I mean, you're not, you're not being there in, in the tournament being on TV and everything. Like, what is that like for you and you, in your head oh I definitely got a sour taste in my mouth yeah I definitely do it ain't I'm going yeah getting to the tournament is a must that's a must and and I don't want to compare it to your situation because the bowl games are a lot different than March Madness because not everyone really watched the bowl games outside of like maybe like the big ones but March Madness I feel the same way every year at Q's watching those teams in the bowl games where like damn we should be there like that's motivation like that's where we're gonna be at next year but like really, March Madness, everybody watch it. Cause I mean, think about them brackets or whatever. My grandma make a bracket, and she don't know who a one seed is from a sixteen. Yeah, she's still watching that. So I feel like it's just so much added motivation, cause the whole world watching, and it's a huge ass platform to get your name out there. Cause you were just talking mm -hmm. about the UCLA team, that dude who transferred from Kentucky who balled out for UCLA this year. I forget his name. Juzang or Zang, somebody I knew you were talking about. Yeah, I've been seeing hella NBA love for him off of five games. <clears throat> exactly. So it's like, if that ain't motivation, I don't know what is. And I think it goes back to like, you know, the first person we saw was like Steph at Davidson. You know, he had a, and Davidson had a quick run in, in maybe his sophomore or junior year, I think it was. And that's when he, he kind of started to take off, at least nationally. I mean, going from a small school to, you know, making a deep run in the tournament. Yeah, definitely. That platform could definitely make you, make your whole career. All right, uh, Flan, you ready for some rapid fire? Yes, sir. Let's All do right. it. So, Morgan, we just going to add some quick hitters and just the first thing that come to mind, and mm. it is what it is. All right? Yep. Who your favorite superhero? Superman. Who's your role model? My dad. If you could be any animal, what would you be? A gorilla. If you weren't a basketball player, what sport would you have picked? Football. If I gave you $50 million right now, but you only can spend it on one thing, what you buying? S some land where everybody I, I'm cool with can live on with me. Like shit. You have any uh, TV shows you're watching or movies right now? Favorite TV show or movie? I just started rewatching New Girl on Netflix. I'm, he can, he do, he, the best one he's, so far. He's quick. He's quick. He's, <laughs> he's sticking right. with the rules. <laughs> I actually like this. All right. Uh, give me your top three artists you're listening to right now. Right now? Um, that's a tough one. Uh, I would say Big Scar, um, Kodak, and I'll put Pooh Shiesty in there. 
you could go one place in the world, where would you go? Right now? Yeah. Bore, Anywhere. Bore. No, nah, Jamaica. Ah, bore, bore. No, Jamaica. Yeah, I won't go to Jamaica. <laughs> Bro, I ain't even gonna hold you. Uh, wow. Okay, I got one last question because you're killing all of them. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, I think I knew I took yours right there. Yeah, you definitely just take mine. All right. So, uh, you got a dinner and you get to invite three people, dead or alive, any time in history that can come to this dinner. It's three people. Mm. Like, who are you inviting? I'm inviting Will Ferrell, Adam Sandler, and I don't know the third one. Rihanna. That's a, <laughs> see, he might That's choke a crazy death. He might choke to death from the damn comedy, but then he. Have Rihanna do the CPR food. <laughs> Got to figure it out. I'm hip to this game. I'm hip. I'm hip. All right. So last one. What do you have in store next year, Arizona State? Mm. Mm. Let me see. <laughs> what you mean? Like, what am, what am I going to do? Or you like want me to... Just what, what yeah, what do you what do you got for us next year? What, what's Marion? <clears throat> if I'm telling the people at home, tune in to Marion Jackson next why? fall. Yeah, why? Why? <laughs> what the hell? Who Marion? <laughs> I need some info. God damn it! They need to know why they watching this. My my homie from Cleveland. They need to know why. They gave. They gave somebody who been counting out. Their whole life a chance for the whole for the whole country to know who he is. That's it. There we go. I like it. There we go. That's I, perfect. I with that. This is the best guest we done had so far when it comes to rapid fire who actually understand the concept of rapid fire. <laughs> you want everybody else want to? Well, you know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I respect it. I respect it. You got anything, Flynn? No, that's it. Mario, I appreciate you uh, taking some time to do this for us. You know, best of luck to you next year. I'll be watching. I know CJ will be. So, you know, best of luck to you. Stay healthy. Anytime, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, man. Like I said, like I always tell everybody, we ain't talked in a while, but every time we do talk, it seems like we just spoke yesterday. So, once again, appreciate you for having on. Well, <laughs> long story short, though, appreciate you for coming on, man, and have a good one, bro. No problem, man. All love, man. What's up? Yes, sir. Yeah.